Voyage of the Geek for a brand new show. We're looking at a new film this time around. Joining me as always, Rick Legato, Tom McGill, Dan Miller. My name's Dave Scotland. And this time around, we're looking at a classic 1959 journey to the centre of the earth. A, uh, a film that has been remade more times than Tom's had hot breakfast. And uh, so, gentlemen... Let's start off with, what's your connection to this film? Like, when did you come across it? When was the first or last time you saw it? Let's start with you, Rick. Um, it's kind of one of those childhood favourites, I think. You used to watch, you know, in the middle of the day on TV on a Sunday. Um, and actually, just before we chose to do this film, I'd actually watched it on Fox Classics. Oh, really? Yeah. Recent, uh, off your own bat? Yeah, off your own back. Nice. And you watched it all, all the way through? All the way through. <laughs> That's a telling sign. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I don't remember when I first saw it. I do remember seeing it as a kid. And uh, I was always a big fan of Jules Verne's books. Have so, you read the book? Uh, oh, yeah, several times. Oh, wow. Recently, yesterday. Oh. <laughs> so okay. I read it twice as a, in my long years, and then I just read it again because I thought it might, might be interesting to see the differences. Yeah, That's cool. called preparation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going above and beyond. Um, what about you, Dan? Um, Saturday morning movies, I think, just like Rick. Uh, yeah, I'm sure on – I know I first saw it as a kid in the lounge room at Saturday morning, mm. Saturday afternoon or Sunday, something like that, one of those TV movie shows. So, yeah. Yeah. So the way the show works is um, – and the new format of the show is that we – pick a film or, or um, uh, something to review, and we do it over three episodes. And today is episode one of our journey into the journey mm. uh, to the centre of the earth. And um, what we're going to do is hand it over to Dan with his segment, What the Plot? All right, so we're just going to talk about briefly a bit of a synopsis of what the what the actual story is about and what the plot is actually about. Um, it's written by Jules Verne. It's written in I think 1865, which is when the when the American Civil War was happening, and it's an exploration story. Um, and there was a lot of that going on: people going off to the Arctic and people climbing up mountains and all sorts of things and going into Africa and all sorts of things. So it's all of the rage, you know, very topical sort of a story to, to, to have. And I think Jules Verne's book is just lots of stories, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. They're all these kind of exploration-type stories. And that Journey was his, to the moon. That was his speciality, what they called journey adventures. Yeah, yes. yeah. 
So in this one, I don't know, it's it's kind of what it says on the tin, you know, they're going to go into the centre of the earth. I think it was partially related to some stories that were around at the, at the time that there might be a sort of a, nobody knew what was inside the earth. So Jules Verne is kind of making up what he thinks might be inside the earth. There was a, a theory by Edmund Halley that the earth was made out of interior concentric rotating spheres. Oh, which yeah. he derived because of different compass readings that he saw while he was traveling. So th- the way he explained it was, well, if the Earth had interior spheres that were rotating, that would explain the, the deviation of the compass. Mm-hmm. And then there were people who actually jumped onto that bandwagon and Congress almost paid for an expedition to the North Pole to find the entry. <laughs> yeah, wow. well, this is very close to that story, right? So they're up in Iceland. The heroes are all up in Iceland. They're scientific explorers. The heroes are up in Iceland. They're going to go in a cave that kind of all goes all the way down to the centre of the earth. They have a kind of an adventure down there and then they escape with their lives. So it's a sort of an adventure story, um, overcoming troubles and um, and hostility, sort of, sort of hostile world um, and other forces. And we've got a couple of characters We've got kind of the scientist character and um, a band of companions. Um, I don't know. That's a pretty quick synopsis of the story. So is it science fiction? It's sort of based on yes. science. I think it's yes. definitely, yeah, definitely. Science, it's science, science fiction. fiction. It's science fiction of the era. Yeah. Uh, they actually call Jules Verne the father of science fiction. Mm. Without the gadgets and things like that that we associate with science fiction, it is based on science Um which is normally the prerequisite for... Jules Verne's books always play in contemporary times. They always mm. play in the actual now time, but they're always fantastical journeys into the, you know, somebody has built a, a submarine yeah. or somebody does the build a big cannon that will now fly to the moon, but mm. they're never in the future. Mm. They've got um, all sorts of techno equip- equipment. They've got um, lights with batteries that they go down with. Um, what else have they got? Um, they've got some... Echolocation yeah, device. Yeah. Do we do thing. we have a name for that? What, yeah. an, what an awesome it's, piece of kit that yeah, is! It's like the sonic screwdriver version, oh, Jules' it, version of the sonic. It, it takes the last echo, the that last it echo hears, that and it hear. and it um, extrapolates the direction it came <laughs> and from. Points you to that. that's awesome. Anyway, so there's, there's oh, the, yeah. the most important thing is that they have enough food to last them for months and months in the tiny little backpacks. Yeah, yeah. The story is like an that's expedition, right. right? It's not like they're just going to pop down. To the, it's like and there's nothing to hunt. It takes months or something. There's no animals to hunt or anything. They have to take all the food for yeah. a journey of unknown length there's, and, there's, and all the underpants in fact I think there's yeah. a lot of Australians that can take a leaf out of their book because here we are 14 days possibly isolation and we're getting a truckload of toilet paper to survive these buggers yep. go down for almost a year just a little backpack I think there's a lesson there for us all <laughs> Rick's obviously talking about the um the uh, famous toilet paper rush of uh, 2020, <laughs> uh, thanks to the coronavirus, or at least in Australia. I don't know. Does, is it happening yes, all over the world? It's happening in Germany as well. Nightmare. For no reason at all. Soap and toilet paper. Mm. You know the Fires Near Me app, which tells you oh, where yeah. this fire. My dad sent me a, a, a fake app, which was um, toilet paper near me. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Locates to- the closest toilet paper. I to like it. that. Cool. All right. So that's. um. That's kind of a bit of an overview. So why don't we go through it and just um, have a bit of a discussion about in a little bit more detail and, and some of the cool things. So um, what I've done here is I've also boiled down the story into two log lines that I've wrote. Mm-hmm. One's, one's two from different angles. So a log line, for those who don't know, is essentially trying to encapsulate the entire story, the whole thing in one sentence. Uh, so here's my log line. 
Um, number one, when a noble but crotchety scientist discovers a volcanic artifact, he must overcome disreputable scientists and underground peril to be the first to spelunk to the center of the earth. Sounds good. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> Uh, and then the second one I wrote, which is a slightly different angle, but the same idea: um, a group of intrepid explorers must race to the center of the Earth to escape, and then escape alive, whilst whilst nefarious scientists and prehistoric monsters snap at their heels. A little bit more um, enticing. Yeah, I'm not sure if you like put the monsters into the logland as if they were an integral part of the film. Mm. Prehistoric monsters. They were certainly they sort of yeah. also rands. You could you could tell that they were uh, very important to the marketing mechanism for the film, mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. and some of the other um, films of the journey to the center of the earth cashed in a lot more on the monsters. Um, I think there was one that had a very large monkey in it. You couldn't call it a great ape; wasn't really in the same caliber as uh, King Kong, but it was a giant monkey. Did the book have actual dinosaurs in there? Uh, it did well. It had mosasaurus and plesiosaurus in yeah, there. there. It didn't go. have a dimetrodon, but uh, none of those are dinosaurs. Okay. So this is its science sort of background. That it, that yeah, I think Jules Verne was trying to you know incorporate the latest things that have been found. You know, dinosaurs that have been found would have been in some museum or something. Then Somebody would have been able to check out. The logline should introduce us to the main character. Mm. Oh, I did say crotchety, crotchety scientist, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and intrepid explorers. So there's a big, big deviation here from. The film and the book, because in uh, the book, it's the boy. It's uh, it's his perspective. It's, it's his, all from he's the boy. narrating, isn't he? He's narrating the book, and he it's his journey. And there's all these Freudian undertones of him growing up to be a man by entering the womb oh, and then right. being ejaculated <laughs> out again at the end from okay. through the volcano in a spew of lava and yep. turning, making that journey from boy to man. Right. Yeah, actually, one of the writers, I'll save it, but does make a comment about that. Yeah. Freudian aspect. Yeah. Okay, so let's introduce maybe the characters. So the the first character, the main character, is um, Sir Oliver Lindenbrook. Mm-hmm. He's played by... you got a role R. Brook. Brook. Lindenbrook. Lindenbrook. Played by James Mason. Because they're, they're from the... Uh, they're from Scotland. The Edinburgh University. That's right. And so uh, about five times throughout the film, you will hear a Scottish accent in there. Yeah. The one woman at the end, she really uh, leans into it. <laughs> um, so Lindenbrook is a, um, he's a crotchety old scientist who's he's a bit of a nerd scientist, right? He's really so into his science stuff that he kind of doesn't get along with people very well. Yep. Do we still have crotchety science characters? I was thinking about Doctor Who, the very first Doctor Who, William Hartnell. Mm. He's one of those. He's, he's, he's this crotchety old grandpa yep. scientist character. Yeah. I don't think we have them. Is Tony Stark a crotchety old scientist? He's oh, not right. old, right? He's, he's not cool. old, but he's crotchety. He's still he's a bit crotchety, crotchety, definitely. But he's cool, mm. you know? Oh, um, Ant-Man. The, the, oh, the old guy. The yeah, old guy. Yeah. The Hank. Uh, yeah, yeah, Hank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Q. He's definitely crotchety, crotchety and old. And yeah, Q from the James Bond series even is definitely the, crotchety. And actually even the new... Young Q is probably the crotchiest. Of yeah, them yeah. All. The the old guy that was Q for years and Desmond years, Llewellyn. who nearly rode himself off at very high speeds in a very expensive sports car oh. at the age of eighty. Oh shit! Just As wrapped, you do. wrapped it around a tree Yellow. or something. I think it was a, it was a Bugatti or a Lamborghini or something like that. Um, but he was very crotchety. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't want James to play with any of his toys. 
Um, so alongside him, he's got his offsider, which is um, Pat Boone. Who's a Alec McEwen. Alec, Alec McEwen. Alec McEwen. McEwen. So Alec's purpose in the world in terms of this movie is to... Sing a song. <laughs> apart from sing a song, yes, he does croon out a song for us. Well, it's yeah. Pat Boone. That's, that's, that's his shit. Contract. They cut some, some other films, some other songs out of the film. He had more coming. Oh, was there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they that was... They didn't it. cut enough of them out. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was part of the, uh, the the deal that enticed him to do the movie. He was, yes. he was like, well, I'm not doing it unless I can sing some At least songs. it wasn't a musical. As yes. In, oh, it started. There, it started. there wasn't music that was coming up from somewhere. There in was the a trajectory. There was always either some instrument or there was something. Do you know some what I mean? Some reason. Some yeah, good excuse. Was, yeah. Rather than I'm just rather happy. Just break into song <laughs> with full orchestra in the background. As you do when you're in the middle of the earth. Yeah. yeah, but it's a sign of the times for that t- period of cinema, isn't it? Coming yes. from the stage vaudeville type uh, mm. influences, mm. and also the way it was shot as well is very front on. Everybody stands Everybody, in a line. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really like a stage play with a camera yeah. in front of yeah. it. Well, cameras are pretty big, heavy things. You can't just like whip them around and zip mm. around. So you have to sort of stick it somewhere, and everybody has to stand in front quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alec McEwen, his job is to point at things and say, you know, what in the world is that? Professor and mm. Professor says, "Well, Alex, that's craptonite. It's a rock that comes out of a." So it shows off how how smart the professor is. What? It goes back the other what way. What does craptonite come out of? Dan? <laughs> <laughs> it comes out of that rock. It's fossil craptonite. It comes out of a volcano's bottom. They they seem to work back the other way too, don't they? Where he'll He'll be asked, the professor will be asked a question, but then he yields to his young student. <laughs> you um, should know. Answer this for the good sir or for the madam or something like that. There's a lot of toff in this mm. film, isn't there? And he also, it's also narratively, it's his job to um, kind of help the uh, hopeless professor with, you know, the human aspect. Yeah, yeah, be a, be a human and stop being yeah. a... Yeah. a, a a crotchety nerd. <laughs> yeah. And there are times in the film where he plays the damsel as well. He, he gets lost. He sort of... Yeah, yeah. Um, they drop everything to go hunting for him and looking for him and whatever. So he's a little bit of the um, uh, the wet blanket in the mm. film now and then. But he also is the, the muscle now and mm. then. He's also well. the, the, the one who draws the female audience to the cinemas Absolutely. by getting his shirt off every opportunity he can. Absolutely. Well, he spends well there's double because well, we might as well go we on. Because yes. we've got Hans who yes. has his shirt off more than on. Yes. <laughs> there's Hans the, who um, doesn't speak English, which makes for a dynamic um, in the in the narrative itself, the fact that their their main guy, their, he's the muscle, he's the mountaineer, he's the... Um, the local the outdoorsman can't speak English, so a lot of the um, he's just there to do uh, stuff. A lot, a lot of the plot do turning it. points and stuff are through the translation. Yes, a lot of the how do, what's the professor thinking is brought to the fore by getting it translated. Yeah, to you can him. explain it to the audience. It's a good mechanism. It's, it's for a good mechanism. Ec- exposition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hans is 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 a is a guy that they pick up. So he's part of the team. Um, he seems to do a lot of stuff on his own. It's like, we're all over here, we're doing something, we're trying to start fire, and it's like, where's Hans? He's over there making a small fortress. Mm. <laughs> What's going on? That's right. Yeah, so um, then we've also got um, the other part of the team, which is um, Carla Gutenberg. Mm. Gutenberg? Mm-hmm. Gutenberg? And she's like the foil. She's the opposite. She's the... 
the opposite of Lindenbrook. She's uh, they don't like emo- each other. Got more emotion, and um, famously, apparently, mm-hmm. they didn't like each other in real life either. <laughs> the, the those two actors. Okay, um, but she was anything but a, a, a um, uh, the soft um, female that we've seen in some of these um, mm, sci-fi mm, films, mm-hmm. um, she stood her ground. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. be talking about that yeah. in, in my segment. Yeah, I just... thought she was pretty good. She uh, held the uh, – in fact, it was the men that were put in their place for their attitudes towards women yeah. by her and the way she conducted mm. herself. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, she was the kind of resistance to, to Lindenbrook. So that that kind of made up the, the little – cast these are our expedition crew there's like four of them and she also translates for hans she, she trans- yeah so there's this yes. kind of hands is off in a separate group and the only communication is is through um carla right yep but there's one more member of boom, the team boom, who was oh, gertrude <laughs> <laughs> the award-winning gertrude the award-winning actually did tom, she? Will, tom will get to this later i Excellent. have no doubt ah. it's award-winning duck so there was a duck in the story Hans has a duck. Yeah. And she's actually more self-sufficient than many of the humans. And I think in other Hans iterations of this, uh, other films, um, it's more of a hero of the story, finding the way out and things like mm. that more often. <clears throat> so in the book there was no ducks, no, right? No, oh, no ducks in the book? No, no, no ducks in no the book. Is, this, is this film the first time we see the duck? This is a non-canonical duck. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so is the, the, the widow. She's also not in the book. And oh, so is you? the Sacknusum. There's nobody. The book is just three guys. Okay. Okay. And Hans. Um, Hans is one of the guys. Yeah, the professor, Otto, the, the Otto boy, Lindbrook, the prof- Axel, and uh, Hans. Okay. Hans. Uh, those three go to the Earth, and they do not have adversaries following them with guns and anything. That was all invented for the film. Okay. Hmm. I think those are good steps forward. Actually. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so um, that's most of the cast, but there are some other people who are involved. Uh, there's some other minor characters, but there's some other important characters, and they're all scientists. This film has how many scientists in it? <laughs> count off the top of your head. Quickly. Well, let's count. Hans is not one, and the duck is not one. <laughs> we can try and remove. You mean in the entire film? Yes. How the, many scientists are the, there? The 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 professor's youthful ward, the Baker, Diane Alec. Baker. No. She is not a scientist. So I'm, I'm counting the not scientists. Oh, the non-scientists. Three. <laughs> well, that makes it easier. By reverse, yes, yes, you can yes. count the non-scientists. Yes, there's an awful lot of scientists in there. Yeah, yeah. There's a coachman, sidekick, um, oh, yeah. thug, henchman. Okay, that, does but a that's, bit of murdering that, on that, the side. That, that, that's a minor character. Okay. That's, a, that's a minor character. Right. But I think we've got four main main frontline scientists yep. in here. Yep. And they range from jerks through to noble yep. noble heroes. All right, um, so um, so we might just quickly go through um, and just discuss a, a couple of like break it down into acts, mm-hmm. act one, two, and three. Then I just want to do a couple of other little little minor minor things. So, act one, um, I think is a good way to break down the story. Act one, we get to know everybody basically is what happens in act act one, mm-hmm. and we set up the inciting incident, and basically that's what act one does, and it kicks us off and gets the story rolling and gets it all moving. Um, so we meet all of our characters. Lindenbrook, Lindenbrook is is just received his knighthood. Mm-hmm. So he receives medals and he's a big hero. And as soon as he goes into class, because he's a professor, all his class just stand up and break into song, s- serenade him <laughs> with a gigantic song that they all know. 
the school song or something or other. Yep. Um, and we we investigate a couple of other other characters, and then we hit the inciting incident. So, what's the inciting incident, Tom? Professor gets a rock. <laughs> Professor gets a rock. Yep. And what does he get the rock? Who gives him the rock, and why? Well, that's that's the uh, one of his students who in the book. Ah, oh, there's again confusions in the book. In, in, Alec. Alec McKeown, or whatever his name is, he yep. is the, uh, he's just a student. He's just a, a friend of the family and a current student of the professors yep. who collected some money for the knighthood present. Mm-hmm. There was some leftover money, and for the leftover money, he bought him a rock because mm-hmm. the rock was geologically of interest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was a, a should be a very light lava, and it was very very heavy, and so that was, was obviously very something inside, and that's for of geological interest. So he gave well, it to him. Yeah. Much um, like the um, much like the Back to the Future series, there's a inappropriate relationship going on between a young um, boy and uh, a much much older. <laughs> Is it inappropriate though? Well, I don't know what, what's going on. There were certainly some loving gazes uh, early on between the two, and he was invited over for dinner. Um, a little bit inappropriate, I would have thought, in a teacher-student relationship. But you, you guys are the in the education field. Is that is that inappropriate? No, yes. No, I, yeah. he used I to come to the house that. all the time. A little bit though. of tension. Close that when he meets tension in the in the air. When he meets Diane, he um, they, what was her name in the film? Jenny. Yes. Jenny. Jenny, yes. who who is the niece of the professor? Yes. Yes. Again, in the book, the the boy is the nephew of the professor, whereas the girl is just. The oh, youthful okay. ward that the professor has taken in gotcha. to look after. Gotcha. Here it's the, again a role reversal in the film, mm-hmm. but she explains that they yeah, Alec used to visit all the time, so they're childhood friends. So he's been known to the family, and I think it's in that situation it's fine. Semi appropriate. Semi appropriate. Still gifts being given though. Well, he wants to be I mean, ingratiating himself. He wants to exactly. marry the guy. Buying favor, niece. things yeah. like that. He wants to ingratiate. So yes, the turning point himself. is is receiving that um, the the lava. Um, Finding specimen. it interesting. Yeah. So it's very um, suspicious lava. It's supposed to be light, but it's mm. actually very heavy. That's so this right. has everybody, the, doc- the doctor, the, the professor, super intrigued. Mm. And so he's going to burn the lava off the, off the rock oh, to right. see what's inside. That's right. And he puts it in the oven and it... It's moronic, moronic yes. assistant. Yes, <laughs> moronic <laughs> assistant. Yes, blows it up, puts too much petrol in or whatever, and bluey fills the lab with shrapnel. Yes, I like how uh, um, how concerned the professor was of his niece. <laughs> Fuck, who ended up on the table? <laughs> blew across the across the room, and all he cared about was what was inside of the rock. Went for that with a glove. Didn't care about the niece. And so we find something interesting inside the rock. Mm-hmm. It's a metal object and it has writing on it. Yes. It looks like it's a plumb bob. Plumb bob. Uh, yep. yep. Yeah, that you hang to. to. So it's a, it's a tool. It's an instrument. Yep. And for some reason it's it's inside this lava and it's got writing on it. And he recognises the writing, mm. essentially, because he can recognise it's the signature. And it's a signature from a guy called... Arnold, what's his name? Arnie Is it Arno? Snacknussen. Is it Arno? Arno. Arno Snacknussen. Arno Snacknussen. And he also clicks in his mind that Arno Snacknussen was the guy who was going to the centre of the earth and because this is... A century ago. A century ago and because this is his, it must have come out of a volcano mm. and he must have gone to the centre of the earth and therefore we should go too. Yeah. Well, yeah, the well, thing... It, no, it had a... Um, 
it had a tantalising clue on it that you go to a certain place mm-hmm. on a certain day and the way will be shown. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, of yeah. course, you have to go. <clears throat> like, that's – you can't not go. Okay. I'd go. Mm, I'd go. Yeah. At I'd least go. to find out what was happening yeah. on that day. Exactly. might not go down in the volcano. Well, that's definitely what the professor thought. Mm. But his professor bosses mm. later on tried to discourage him from that. So, are you crazy? Yes, they wanted his services a little bit more. You could tell that they were they had a vested interest in him teaching. Yes, of course they do. Now they have to hire someone else. They, they have to the hire budget. A, that's yeah. right. The yeah, union get a tutor. We don't have money for that in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> but he, in in the true tough professor way, he's completely blinded by any practical yes. requirements yes. of him. Are you crazy? He this just is sees this narrow thing that awesome he has to do. find of the century. <laughs> Get out, woman, I didn't ask for tea. <laughs> it reminded me of um, the Sherlock Holmes scenes um, with the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes where yeah. the she she keeps trying to come in with food and he's abusing her and telling her to get out <laughs> yeah. whatever. and all these people are just trying to look after him while he's obsessed <laughs> on something. So they ask him to um, you know get some confirmation. He tries to get some confirmation. Tries to get a bit more information, but no more information kind of comes. Well, importantly, he writes to a colleague, doesn't he? That's right. Uh, he writes Professor to Professor Goethe of Stockholm. Yes, yes Professor Goethe, the leading, um, which turns out to be a big mistake. Remember, yes. we've got four scientists coming up. We've got to get through. So, <laughs> so Professor Gertenberg is the is the second one. Yep. So he writes off, but Gertenberg doesn't reply. Little we, do we know that Professor Gertenberg is up to no good. He gets a reply that Gertenberg's gone missing. Ah, that's right. Yes, Gertenberg's gone missing. He's scarpered. Um, so that spurs him on to think. Well, perhaps we should get to the get to this crater and check it out. Mm. Quick, smart. Yep. And that fires us off into Act Two, mm-hmm. um, and so this is where all of the sort of confrontations and the overcoming of um, difficulties start to happen. Um, and the first confrontation and overcoming of difficulties is with um, with humans, and we also meet a few more characters. We meet the rest of the team there. Is it uh, so? Are we already in Reykjavik? Reykjavik, which is the capital of Iceland. Iceland. Is that, yes. So we're there. We're on location now. We're yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, and what does he do? He goes up to the crater where the where the you know where the way will be shown mm-hmm. and the Sneffelsjökull. What is that? The Sneffelsjökull is the the, the what the did you call me? Extinct <laughs> volcano. <laughs> it's the distant cousin of Snuffleupagus. <laughs> yes, it's what you get when you have the coronavirus virus. Um, it. And but but they come back. Why did they come back? Why did they go down? Well, just checking it out. Oh, well, they found getting the lay well, of the they, land. They found it had been recently surveyed, so they saw the surveyor poles, uh, the stakes in the ground. Okay. And he knew that there was something afoot. Some other people had been there. Someone had been there. Mm-hmm. And then they um, they were also trying to buy spades and shovels and ropes. Mm. And in all of Reykjavik, there wasn't a single spade, shovel, rope, tin of beans. Someone had bought them all. Uh, yep, no more theodolites uh-huh. had all been purchased. Um, yeah. What else happens? Well, they get abducted. Well, yes, one at a time. Uh, Alec uh, gets sent off by the good doctor while he uh, continues his observation at the volcano. Alec is sent to go and buy supplies. 
Yep. Um, and then when the good doctor comes down and jumps in the uh, uh, a, in the carriage, a, there's a scruffy taxi driver. He's told to take it easy because of his uh, delicate instruments and yeah. and samples. And this then is in the horse-drawn to, taxi, right? Proceeds to fly off down the track and um, flies through the Arizona desert. Yeah, by the looks <laughs> yeah it did look like it in the background, yeah. didn't it? Um, with the good doctor bouncing around in the background in various uh, e- escalating stages of. Uh, Annoyance in the yeah. toffee way. Yeah. Good sir, good sir. Yeah. You break my theodolite. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he had like this a is sp- not a suggestion. <laughs> Meanwhile, he had like a spear in the in the mm, thing, a spear right. with a big hook. Yeah. And I was like, poke him, yeah. poke him. <laughs> and so they pull up at uh, at a duck downery. Yes. Well, he doesn't know. He gets out of the carriage. There's a big sign on the side that says, and duck he's really downery. pissed off because he's, he's kidnapped. This is not the yeah. hotel. Yes, I'll have you thrashed, man. And then he gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah, then whack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, gets thrown down a chute into a duck-down storage cellar. Yes, so a giant pile of feathers. And then he finds Alec, who also at some point got knocked out and thrown down the same chute. Yes. All right, so that then brings up our new character who we're going to meet. Gertrude. Gertrude. <laughs> who's, yes. who's tapping Morse code. I think that whole scene where they're trying to work out what language it is, yeah. like it's Morse code, and they're saying, I think it's Russian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Morse code. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, it's Russian Morse code. It's fucking letters. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. S-O-S, da, yet, whatever. <laughs> um, so anyway, they hear this tapping, but it's, it's we can see that it's Gertrude the duck is just tapping. <laughs> On the other side, And yes. they're trying to escape and they think it's another prisoner and it's not another prisoner, it's just a duck, Gertrude. That's right. Who's tapping, having a lovely time. And um, then eventually they meet up with Hans. Who lets them out. Who lets them out. And then it proceeds to... To follow them around. Follow them, they just go? Everywhere. Around. Everywhere. She just walks with <laughs> yeah. them. Just refuses to leave the moment, at any point after that. The yeah. moment they go to a hotel room door that's locked, he just goes, oh, here's yeah. my knife. <laughs> I will open this door. <laughs> and no one ever says, are you busy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to come with us? And when they look for him, he's kind of off, you know, doing something <laughs> on his own. He's, you know... Immediately, immediately takes to them. And, and he's very handy. He breaks okay, into yeah. doors. Um, he's he's does very, very handy. He does everything. Yep. 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 I suspect... Gertrude is actually calling the shots in those bits were edited out. Yeah, yeah. I reckon she's He's listened to Gertrude. Yeah. Yes, Gertrude, yes. <laughs> yes. No, Take them out into the desert. They suspect yes. nothing. <laughs> so eventually they um, they kind of bust into um, Professor Gertenberg. So this is our... That's right. This is the guy that, that the, the our professor wrote to. They who find, went missing. Who went missing. Mm-hmm. They find that he's in the hotel room. They bust into his hotel room. He's got all the giddy. That's where all the tins of beans are. He's That's got all right. the tins of beans all and all the, the spades and all the shovels. And yeah, toilet paper. And all the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. He's got enough to... <laughs> and, and then when they're, when they're rummaging around the room, not only does he have everything in there, he's also in there. That's right. And it's it's, it's the introduction, probably not the, f- the first time it happened in the film, but it's it, it certainly was the first standout. This film had a lot of those... Um, Ignore the obvious thing in front of me. Let me step over here. And then, <laughs> Wait, what in the world is that? And so this one was the dead guy. Like he lifts the blanket <laughs> up, puts the blanket down, goes to look, and then walks back and, and in horror. That shit was going on all the way through this film and the timing of it just never seemed quite right. But, yes, they found a dead laid out um, Professor Gutenberg uh, in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately, you know, the professor... Does a little bit of Sherlock Holmesery. What's this in his beard? And they scrape out his beard. Oh, poison! 
He names, he sees some white crystals. <laughs> yes. And he says, that's, that's potassium, potassium cyanide. Just by looking at it. Might I interject and travel into the future now and say that bloody Alec is in the cave lost by himself in, in, in the, the salt fields? He's just surrounded by white crystals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he immediately, what is he, what's the first thing he does with it? He sticks it in his, his mouth. mouth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the fistful, too. The yeah. last crystal he saw was potassium cyanide. <laughs> well, we, okay. he's, he's a professor student. He's not the professor's best student. No, obviously not. <laughs> not long for this world, possibly. Uh, so that's, that's so we have, of our four scientists, that's, um, that's one down. Yep. So that's Professor Gertenberg. But Professor Gertenberg's there with his wife. That's right. Carla Gertenberg. She was uh, due to meet with him. Gertenberg. Mm-hmm. Gertenberg. So she turns up, turns up at the hotel. And, um, you know, we've got some bad news. Yeah. Um, he's bereft of life. Yes. He's dead. Dead Jim. Mm. He's fucking snuffed it. Yep. It is a can of beans. Ex-scientist. So um, after reading some, some uh, transcripts, she decides to... Give all the kit to the good doctor. His diary, which the that's right. the doctor has written in English, mm. much to the viewer's pleasure. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. You've drunk his luck. Literacy uh, levels for the subtitles in, uh, in 1959 might have been problematic. Yeah. So this other professor had got word from our professor, Lindenbrook, mm-hmm. and had gone for a bit of a, uh, you know, a scout around and he was trying to sort of steal the victory. Um um, so you know, essentially, the our professor Lindenbrook wants to, to now take all of his stuff, take all of his shovels and stuff, and so he has a chat with Carla Lindenbrook. No, Carla Göteborg. Göteborg, and um, she wants to come along. Mm. She wants to. She says, "Okay, I'll give you all of my stuff." That's and, the uh, and that's ma- the deal. If, yeah. if you want all the gear, yeah, yeah. you've got to take me with you. So James Mason is like, "Yeah, oh, that's awesome." And then she says, "But I'll have to come along." She says, "No, can't come along. You're a woman." <laughs> There's a there's a really cool micro acting moment there where she starts to say it and he says, Don't say it. <laughs> yeah. You could almost hear him say, Oh, you said it. <laughs> so she eventually convinces him. Yep. And um, you know. So that's so the crew. That's so we the now crew. have assembled the A team. We have the A team. So they go back up to the mountain and now they're gonna go down. Well, they've got to wait for the sign. True. Remember, they're they're there for a very specific day. Yeah. The last day of May, is it? Last day of May. Last day of May. And the way will be shown. Okay, so last day of May, the sun will be in the right position and the way will be shown. And exactly at the right time and the right place, the sun kind of peeks through a crack or a hole in another mountain somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom. That's important. And a beam of light. Shines at the opening. Shines at the opening inside this gigantic crater. Where Saknusum. 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 Just put me in charge of all the names. Entered. That's my contribution to <laughs> the show. I'm just going to point it, Tom. Where Saknusum has gone down. All right. So. We're away. But we've got to have an important stop off here. Mm. Where was this? Where did this scene appear again? Where was that scene? That scene well, where he holds up the, the thing and well, the, Spiel, the, you could tell the Spielberg certainly had a um, uh, a likening to the movie. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was it was the tennis. Yeah, it's the tennis map scene in Indiana, Indiana Jones. The it's, whole setup for where same, to dig. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing, mm. right? So yeah, Indiana Jones probably. I mean, 
Steven Spielberg, eight years old or something or other, still remembered that when he yep. making his movie. Okay, cool. So what happens now? They're going to go into the cave and they kind of go into the cave. Yep. But well, we also see the uh, the antagonists at this point. That's, That's right. right. Remember, we've got four scientists. We've lost one. We've got our hero one. So we can bring bring forth, we can play our next scientist. Yes, cave. a descendant of Orne. Is he's, a, a, he's a count. Count Sarknusum. So and he's offsider. Thug murderer. Thug murderer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. cowboy. Yes. Um, so... And they're they're quietly following behind. That's they're right. hiding. That's so right. we have to remember. We have to remind the the, the audience of how this works. That Sackmussen, the elder. <laughs> what do you call his name? Sacknussen. Different every time. Sacknuts. Professor Sacknuts. Keep me guessing. <laughs> Professor Nutsack <laughs> has gone down to the bottom of the world. Yes. Professor Nutsack, the older. <laughs> yes. The, the elder. The original. The, the old school. The has OG. gone down. The bottom of the world. <laughs> nutsack OG. Where he never came back. <laughs> but he did get that nut, nutsack busy because yes. he has a son or a grandson. Well, he was also busy during this journey. It's worth mentioning that he leaves three notches along the path. He does a Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs. He must have done that journey a few times to know exactly which. That's what I would have thought as well. He's leaving the notches and then he keeps going. Going back to. How do you know? (laughs) So you've got to go that way a day and then come all the way back and go, yes, go this way. He has to find the centre first before he can come back and backtrace and everything, do the notches, and then crawl back down again to die. That's right. Don't be logical. Break his leg. That's how he works. Um, But he has now got a son. Now his son. Descendant. Descendant, sorry, yes, he's descendant. There's 100 years has gone Later, by. So 300 years in the book. So it, so. I think I may have said 300. So it, he's definitely a long way down the uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, the hierarchy. And so he's been lurking around. Killing, you know, just killing being, Göteborg with mm, yes, cyanide. Killing Which Göteborg. is really odd because the characters, our main heroes now know that there's somebody. Yes. They have heard of Count Sarknusum. Mm. Yeah. Yet they just throw that... Be that as it may, and then they go yeah. on the journey and never expect anything. I think that's that English, British sort of tough mentality. And even when when she when the when the widow says, oh, "I think we're being followed," the mm. main guy goes, "Nah, yeah, shut up, woman." Yeah. <laughs> so they go down into the tunnels, and um, the count follows them down. And they start with a merry song. Yes, they've got a little piano accordion thing. Fucking songs. Even Hans goes home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Carla breaks in with guys. a high. When, when Alec Everybody's broke singing. out the harmonica, the, what is it? What's this called? The harmonica? Box? No, that harmonica. Accordion. Oh, yeah, no, accordion. accordion. Yeah, yeah, when he yeah. breaks that out and says, oh, the good, my girlfriend gave me this before we left home, I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> guaranteed to have some more songs. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and they're crap songs too, you know, if they were like. Yeah. It's Pat Boone. His existence there is for songs. Like the movie's travelling well, there's suspense. If it was at least like Mary Poppins revealed himself and then the phrase comes out while the professor... So how about you start us off with a song as they start journeying down into the... And I thought, fuck, what sort of a journey am I now about to watch? Too many songs in the film. I would have been happy with Chim Chimmery. There was a bit of chimchimmering. All right, so they go down inside, and now, so they've got to overcome a whole bunch of things once once they're in there. They've got to overcome humans, and they've yep. got to overcome monsters, and they're going to have to overcome the cave. So, what's yep. some of the things that stood out? The, the things that they overcame while they were down in the depths of the earth. I definitely remember a, st- a statement from the good professor, mm-hmm. who was very sure of certain things. Mm-hmm. He said, "Drink as much water as you want, 
because we're guaranteed to run across freshwater springs on our, <laughs> along our journey. Have you ever heard that in a survival sort of journey scenario, a safari? Drink as much water as you want. Yes. Turns to the audience, so we won't need to drink water and you don't have to worry about that, okay? That, incidentally, is actually for a change exactly how, what happened in the book as well. Is it? Because he says, well, obviously, there will be water down there. Once we go through this strata and we get to the granite, yep. it's the nature of the rock that it's full of water. Well, it's one of the perilous uh, things that happens where he takes, uh, he can't help himself, and he chips off a bit of crystal oh, in Lord. one of the caves. That's a horrible scene. Because he has to have it. Yep. And then that little tiny uh, thing turns into a cascade of water and mm. a torrent of water, and they get trapped up a blind alley, I mm -hmm. think is the thing he calls it, and um, they have to swim to the top and crawl out of a little hole uh, where one of the... Stalactites, stalactites. Fella. Yep. Is it stalactite? Hold on tight. Yep. Stalactite yep. might poke oh, you in the ass. I always think. <laughs> I don't think it was quite. That's how I remembered yeah, it. No, but I remember that's how tits, it was explained. Tits hang. Yeah, I always thought <laughs> the tits stalactite hang, and hang on tight. Stalactite might yeah. poke you in the hold, ass. Hold on tight. And uh, yes, and might stab you in the ass. Okay, got that sorted out. They're very good. Okay. Uh, the professor would be very proud. All right. Um, have we seen that scene before? Did some other movie? I, I have this vague recollection where he, where you have the crystal cave that's all perfect, and he just like, pink, just steals one little tiny crystal, um, and then everything goes to shit. Is that in a Conan? I'm oh, sure that is in other it. movies where everything's perfect. You, mm. you don't touch it, you live. But if mm. you touch one thing, I think it's in Conan the Destroyer. I've seen that in a, in. I, I, I so. definitely have seen it in a film before. Yeah. That's that's my guess because because the thief is always running around stealing, stealing yeah. jewels. I don't yeah, think. I know yeah. it was in the Mummy, the very first Brendan Fraser Mummy movie, where there's a little scarab beetle on the uh, wall. Yeah, yeah. And he plies it off, and then and a then million disaster. scarab beetles fly yeah. out and yeah, yeah, devour yeah. people. It's also kind of in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the the golden thing mm. at the start where he weighs ah, the yes. sand and yeah. he swaps it and he's like, "Cool, got mm. away with it." Then ah, shit, mm. everything goes goes bananas. Speaking of Raiders of the Lost Ark and large spherical things, yes, there's a big boulder in this. Uh, oh yeah, there's a boulder chase. Yes, that's right. You can tell that that Spielberg definitely took a lot of um, uh, lean from this film. Yeah, so there's a big gigantic spherical boulder that chases the people. And, and when you think about it, oh my God. it's a very similar character, right? Where oh, he is. He's, he's a, a universal university professor that doesn't like to teach. He'd rather be off. Safari and looking for treasures and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And when told that you need to get back in the classroom, he tells them all to get stuff. Well, mm -hmm. that's very Indiana Jones. Not only that, the the students in the in this movie all sing the praises yeah, of the professor. That's right. Whereas the students in Indiana Jones, that chick has "I love you" written that's on right. her eyelids, on her and she blinks at him, and he's like, "Oh." <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> okay, what else do they have to – oh, yeah, okay, we got to keep moving. What else do they have to um, – they have to fight gigantic iguanas. Yes, well. that's right. We've got mm. giant lizards, um, and but we've also found an ocean. They've, they've run into an ocean. And there's a giant ocean down there and they have to build a raft. That's right. They sail across the raft. What do they build the raft out of, Dan? They build the raft out of – Prehistoric gigantic mushroom logs. Uh, mushroom tree logs, that's correct. And, yes. and again, bloody, I like the first time he sees a mushroom, he heaves in and 
rips yeah. a bit off and <laughs> tucks, to eat tucks it. in immediately. Just, just puts everything in his mouth. And he he does. He's like a, he's like a toddler. <laughs> yes. just, he's got to sample everything with his mouth. Freud would say that's an oral fixation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the iguanas, the the gigantic iguanas, are a bit of a feature, mm-hmm. and they're pretty cool. They're done. They're done pretty well in my mm. my estimation. They look, I can they, tell you at this stage, cool. I can confidently um, say that lizards were. Um, Harmed during the making. Of this <laughs> yes, film. I was wondering. Yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah, we, we get the the, the the spear in it because yeah. that looked real. No, it was real, and there was one in the mouth as well. But but also, there's a shot where the iguanas are eating the iguana. I thought that was just something that they. Sort <laughs> it was of a carcass. Okay, what I it was thought, an carcass. What I thought is one person was like holding the iguana and like grabbing its jaw from kind of behind. And it was like, ah, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and then it was like shoving the iguana onto another iguana. So I, yeah, I wasn't too worried about one that. or two. Shots like that, but there were others where they were tearing it, like they were yeah. literally ripping it but apart. But I was looking at the special effects there and couldn't find anything on how they made it, other than that they glued prosthetics. A, the, the prosthetics onto a rhinoceros yeah. iguana. And but um, I was wondering if they might have been hand puppets. It's really, really excellent. Excellent. Well, they may. Have, they may puppets. have been real. That, that's what I was kind of saying. They've taken the, a lot of the insides out, and the hand it was yeah, maybe <laughs> shoving the hand inside. I was saying, I was thinking that they didn't have to be dead, some, and they could be still hand puppets. They're mm. not dead. There's just somebody's holding it. And, could be and sort of waving because it the around. sail, the sail prop was mm. so well made, yeah. color, color mm. wise. I would assume that they perfectly the craftsmanship. Well, I think they sprayed the whole there. lizard to match the color. I maybe think if you look at it, maybe yeah, it's probably if you look at it, they sprayed the whole lizard, and there's a glisten to it, like mm. a, yeah, you can sort of tell. But there's another lizard that <laughs> does not fare well in this film that gets covered with, I don't know what that red lava oatmeal. mush it's, it's is. Red, oatmeal, is it? Red oatmeal. It didn't look like it. It's because they spray painted it red as well, the, mm. the lizard, because it's supposed mm. to glow and it's a lava know, I've lizard. They they swim, don't they? So they, yes, they, iguanas do. Yeah, I don't yes. know if they, I don't know how they feel about swimming in oatmeal that's mm. made to look like lava. But yeah. but but, but anyway. another thing of the professor is when when they walk into the ocean when they see that they're supposed to be dimetrodons, mm. and so when they see that and Sucknessum says, "Uh, can they swim?" And the professor goes, "No, they cannot. Let's go in the ocean." <laughs> Yeah. Nope, they cannot swim. He's the professor. He knows everything. That's right. All right. So um they have a bit of that the, the, they have a bit of that for a little while and then they escape and then we've got to go into the resolution, act three. Mm. Um so they've got to get out and be alive. So they finally reach the centre of the world. Yes. And they can tell because magnetic things go crazy it's, and it's their gold. They have the a gold. gold. The gold the magnetic fields pull mm. out the gold mm. out of the mouth and Gold rings and, and everything. And most importantly, what's the most important thing? <laughs> oh, the bloody instrument gets. gets the, are, you, are you glad? The journal. Ah, oh, the journal. Like the journal. Oh, the evidence. That's right. They might have had yeah. binders. Well, they get binder rings or something. They get shipwrecked. But the journal everything disappears. Gets, like yeah. when everything, the the tooth out of Hans's mouth and everything. When, but the journal goes, mm. and that's. Why the professor later on says, "I you cannot credit me with any discovery at all because I can't prove it." Mm. If he had had the journal, um, he would have been able to prove it. We don't really know how they get saved, right? Because they end up being in a maelstrom, going around, and then they're next thing on the beach, and then suddenly there's the whole raft and every provisions, everything is gone, and they're just half naked on the beach. Yeah. So we don't know what um, whether they they go down in it and then come out. An, but the an fact opposite is, one. They realize yeah. they're at the center of the earth because it suddenly all makes sense that the, yeah. the North Pole and the South Magnetic Pole would, I don't know, wouldn't they cancel <laughs> each other out? Yeah, I don't. 
It was yeah. the science was dubious. Yes, yeah, so we were getting a little out of our bounds of yeah. scientific knowledge down yeah. there. But it turns out that Atlantis is down there at the bottom of the Absolutely, world underneath yeah. a vol- volcano yeah. for some reason. Absolutely. So they, they prance around there for a little while, but they also find a tube that goes all the way back up to the top. A wind volcanic, tube, volcanic yes. Volcanic chimney, they call That's it. That's right. And they find a wonderful gigantic bowl made of pure asbestos. That's right. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, the heathen stone. <laughs> they, they lost everything, and what they, they find is gunpowder, <laughs> yeah. flintstone, yeah. and an asbestos bowl. <laughs> yeah. What and how they found this it bad. very, very it's convenient. Bad writing. Very bad. All in a about 40 seconds. Like we found everything we need. And, and he goes off and he's pondering, he's pondering, and then he has a he has a brain we fart. just take these three things that we just found and put them together and <laughs> yes. get out of here. So even their escape is a little bit... Yeah, how do they escape? Well, they... Yeah. So there was some gunpowder and... And there's then a, they escaped. There's a lot of... Um, Crossfades going so there's on some with, sort the, of, with the escape. Was it like time is there's passing, a or all of a sudden there's people yeah. swimming in the water. <laughs> there's a volcanic explosion. Hang That's on, right. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You haven't gotten rid of the uh, superfluous scientist yet. Oh yes, we forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we've got the bad scientists who keep walk, walking. Oh, that's around. right. Well, it takes out one of the team first. And then he sh- a, no, 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 he shoots Alec. Him. He shoots Alec in the well, arm. That's, that's, ages that's ago. way, that's way ages before. Ago. We when Alec wrecked. gets lost. We now shipwrecked. Okay. Yep. He runs into the, the suck noose okay. well, count. Yep. And then when they, they come back on the raft, poor old Gertrude. That's right. Wanders Meet, off alone. Demise. Yeah, walks backwards into the forest. <laughs> and out of the forest comes Count, With count the, and Nutsack. And actually says the phrase, here, duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty duck. He <laughs> <laughs> must have uh, eaten her raw because it went so far. Yes, I, I, think, duck, no he, time. I think he has. Yes, he's gone raw. And um, Hans loses his shit Yes, uh, and goes after the... And, and, Proceeds to try to strangle him. In pure, beautiful 1955 mm. combat style. Yes. Jesus yes. to strangle. Very. That's right. Yes. And then uh, Suck Newsom uh, backs up, uh, trips over a rock, well, and then gets squashed by a boulder. Squashed by a boulder. Yeah. Which is known as his comeuppance. Like every one of these. Uh, journey to the center of the earth, um, the fantastic journey. There's always someone in the show mm-hmm. who's He's, a conniving little turd that yes. gets their comeuppance very true. by the end of the film. And it's the way that, that those people tend to die is always very entertaining. One of the cool things that we missed that we perhaps should, I don't want to go for too long, but they had a court case That's down right. there when, when when he shot Alex. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the court case. So this is our bad scientist. So, so James Mason says we should have a court case and a trial. Try, we'll try this guy. So the court case is who votes is guilty. And everybody goes, I do. They all do. I do. I do. And, and without missing a beat, he says, "Okay, now tell that guy that he's to wait ten minutes. Cap him in the noggin with this gun. We'll be all over but he here." Had to wait 10 Minutes, which is enough time for my for my guilt to walk away. <laughs> and Hans says, "Fuck you!" Uh, yeah, Hans not going to do it. So he tries to get Alex to do and it, and then he tries to get um, the the widow to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She says, "I'm a chick." Yeah, yeah. Oh, you have you shove that down our throat. <laughs> yeah. It's a lovely little scene. That whole thing. Yes. And by the end of it, they they were trying to save him from Hans. Yeah. So, but that's because they're noble. Mm. All right. Um, and so, anyway, they go back to Edinburgh and there's more singing. Um, yes. Um, 
Alec Murray marries Jenny. That's right. Something very strange happens. In in Mm. fact, inexplicably bizarre happens Mm. is that once they get back to Edinburgh, Jenny, who's Alex's girlfriend, brings him in in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's got a leg in a cast and an arm in a sling. Yeah. And he fell down the stairs while they were getting married. That's right. Yep. And is now in a... Yes. Why on earth did they put that in the movie? I th- that my theory is so that we could hear the woman and her Scottish accent that, that is asking about, did this happen What on does your that journey? woman say? What does that woman say? I think she says something like, did this happen on your... Oh, he's not going to be perilous- much of a husband yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, right. she's hinting right. about the wedding night. Yes. She's like, oh, well, you're and not going to have much of a Jenny, wedding night. How does Jenny reply? Oh, he's very remiss. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Don't worry, he managed. He's <laughs> fine. <laughs> he, looked, he looked after business. <laughs> he took care of business. <laughs> so, uh, well, why is the scene in there, Dan? Because they, they go through this perilous journey. They get bloody thrown out of a volcano. He lands in a, in a tree without his undies. Uh, and they don't take any damage. So, and so it's funny that yep. at the end he's Okay, so that was the, uh, the bit. Yeah, yeah the bit the, that yeah, he survives yeah. the irony was and, 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 and then fell down the stairs afterwards. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's funny, 1959. I, what, I, <laughs> what I found interesting is the... The proclamation to the whole uh, student body that um, really the whole thing was for nothing, that mm. that I can't prove any of it and I would no never uh, bring the good name of the institute into disrepute by suggesting that you have to take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had a wrote, wrote down on a piece of paper that I'd done all these things, then we'd be fine. <laughs> well, <he laughs> just just, write his just go over thing. there and write it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I think within the next forty seconds he proceeds to suggest that that's exactly what he's going to do is right. Because what what evidence did he bring anyway? He he took a little bit of a of yeah. a crystal from a wall. Yeah, yeah. Well, they bring some rock with. I mean, there's no evidence that they can that's bring, right. is there? That's that science thing, isn't it? Like mm. you can go into the jungle and discover something. If you write it down, then it's a thing. It is that thing, but if you don't, then it's well. You got to bring. If you usually you bring specimens back or anything. If you brought back a dead lizard, then mm. they might have had something. Yeah, yeah. Tooth. All right, and then the last part of the the victory celebrations is snog. Is is a bit of a pash. Yeah. Is it's so been the, multiple. Yeah. Yeah, multiple. The that isn't doesn't James Mason decide to uh, propose? Well, he's told to propose. Pretty much. Yeah. He's no, back, no, no, back he's into a corner. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a doofus about yeah. it. And he doesn't she, quite she know. The hard and, word on him. and she makes it all work and, yep. and they have a bit of a pash behind an umbrella. So it's happy happy, happy ending for happy all ending. except for Gertrude and uh, the Count. Poor old Gertrude. Why was Gertrude even in the movie? Why did they kill Gertrude? Why did they kill mm. Gertrude? Yeah, Gertrude really didn't need to die. I mean, right. they could have had much more fun with Gertrude doing hijinks and messing if up you, the plans if of you Captain Nutsack. And <laughs> if you back up Nutsack's death, um, you to have him die that way, it, they have to have a reason for him to stumble backwards and everything, which is put you with Hans, mm. and then Hans is only got his hands around his throat because of Gertrude. It's mm. the only way that Gertrude's death makes any sense is if you come backwards from Sucknusen's death, mm. and and perhaps it's to give a more. Recent reason why, you know, if, if he just died then mm. doing in an argument, it wouldn't be justified. I think one of the lizards should have yeah. Yeah, he could, killed he him. Yeah, an arrogant prick. He could have done something. He should have yeah, died on the beach like, with the lizard. Screw yeah. you guys, I'm out of here. Yeah. And then yeah. run straight Tromp. into a lizard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 Anyway, <clears throat> okay, I'd like to end. I've got two more things to end with, and that's comments. Mm-hmm. So I went and found a couple of cool comments. So I've got two comments here from people who watched the movie and had very strong opinions about them. Um, So the first one is um, somebody who didn't like the movie. They essentially gave it one star. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Victor I. Probably spelling is not his first language. So I'll just read it out. Um, so Victor I, rotten emoji. It is disappointing, pointless, with an awful cast of miscast actors, starting with the only person who carries all the film, James Mason. The story was terribly violated with severe distortions. The FX was a shame using a snake instead of an extincted creature. That's ridiculous. Confused emoji. Why? James Mason is a good actor and he only gets two points in the film. But the truth is he is miscasted. If I directed the film now, I would Kevin Klein as Lindenbrock. <laughs> the script doesn't respect Jules Verne, and this is an insult. The romance between Galben and Axel is very Hollywood-esque. The music is a piece of trash. <laughs> Don't you see this awful movie? One of the worst disappointments in my cinematic life. Wow. Sorry for the poor guy. <laughs> Actually, wow, <laughs> that's insane. I would Kevin Clay. He's got a heart off for Kevin Klein. Absolutely. Where was that written? Do we have a date? Must have been late eighties. Kevin Klein's done nothing for fifteen years, twenty years at least. All right, that's Victor. Wow. Victor I. Thanks for Victor. I've got one more, and this was somebody who was a bit more impressed with the movie. Um, I've slightly edited this just for a little bit of clarity. I've only added a couple of words. Um, and this is Ian H. At the end, after the characters blow themselves out of the centre of the earth through a volcano, Pat Boone, having his clothes ripped, ripped off, lands in a tree. He then falls out of the out of said tree in front of a bunch of nuns. To cover his parts, he picks up a nearby sheep and holds it over his junk. For me, this is probably one of my top five moments in cinema history. No lie. I can get on board with that. Yep, yep. Yeah. The fact that he goes, the naked guy grabs a sheep and, yeah. and disappears into the bushes with yeah. it. Just, we, we completely forget the fact that he's been blown out of a, uh, Just out of blown, a volcano. <laughs> you imagine the arc. He's, yeah. he's like in a little village. This is nowhere near the volcano. Yeah. yeah. And his first thought is, I can't show these nuns my junk. Yeah. You can imagine the pitch meeting for this. Guys, guys, I've got a great idea for this movie. And if you show just that shot where he's backing away with the sheep, going behind, and he says, excuse me, ladies, excuse (laughs) me, and and get someone to tell me what this movie is about based on this this here, just this one shot. Imagine what people would come up with. Imagine the type of film they think it is. It's a New Zealand Rom-com? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sorry, Kiwis. All right, All right, gentlemen, that brings us to the end of uh, What the Plot for uh, for another episode. That's it for our episode one of our three-episode journey into this 
film. Uh, join us next time when we take a look at uh, some trivia and a little bit of um, uh, a peek behind the curtain for, for the writing and, um, and how the narration was created and some interesting stuff involved with that as well. So until next time, it's uh, bye from me. See ya. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao.